the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD, news from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And of course, as a podcast, go to Apple Podcast and you can get the program there. I am Chris Murray. Your host, so glad to have you along this morning. Really good program laid out for you. Some interesting top stories. Um, also, uh, some economic data, some uh, talk from the Federal Reserve that's just making people even more frustrated. And also joining me in just a little bit, uh, best-selling author and CEO, uh, Robert Netsley. Uh, he's the CEO of Inspire Investing. Uh, the best-selling author part is uh, his book, um, his firm focuses on biblically responsible investing, and uh, it's just got enormous potential because of the good uh, that people can do uh, with their investments and then what the firm uh, Inspire does on the other end with uh, giving so much of its profit away to help Christian organizations around the world to uh, make a difference, to have a positive impact. So uh, we'll be talking with Mr. Netsley in just a little bit about biblically responsible investing. And um, I think you're really going to enjoy uh, and also learn a lot from that uh, discussion that we'll have. Well, you know, you just couldn't get away from Elon Musk the last two weeks. Uh, obviously, He's uh, in the news constantly, whether it's uh, this week with uh, Tesla earnings coming out and uh, just shooting the lights out of the joint. Um, also, of course, Elon uh, is after Twitter. Uh, he's actually secured the required financing to buy Twitter and to take the company private, according to a new regulatory filing. Um, also, Musk is exploring a tender offer to buy shares from stockholders directly. So uh, he did receive the $46.5 billion in commitment to help finance this proposed deal uh, if he decides to go ahead with that tender offer, uh, which he will approach Twitter shareholders and offer to buy their shares within a specific time. So when you have a tender offer, it's a direct offer to the shareholders. Um, it's made publicly. There's a certain time frame offers a higher price, uh, you know, and also a certain price. This is coming from the richest man in the world right now. Um, he doesn't have any problem lining up uh, financing. Um, I heard somebody say earlier this week that, yeah, well, you know, I mean, he's not very liquid because of his money being tied up in Tesla stock, etc. But I'm thinking, how does the richest man in the world not get any kind of loan basically that he wants. So that was obviously a misled comment. But, um, you know, we'll have to see. You know, he made this bid uh, back on April the 14th to take Twitter private. Um, and then the board of directors at Twitter um, started having kittens, and uh, they basic as did the employees there. Um, and the board of directors the next day unanimously adopted a poison pill defense to prevent a hostile takeover. So basically what they did, the board, that if Musk reaches 15 percent ownership, the poison pill will be triggered. And this will allow other stockholders 
to purchase additional shares at a discounted price, and that'll dilute uh, Musk ownership stake. So um, these people. Oh, and the other thing that, uh, you know, one way, again, that he poked at the board of directors. So you have to if you if you weren't listening um, recently, you know, I talked about uh, with uh, Bob and Ryan how Musk made a comment on Twitter that they should use their headquarters in um, in San Francisco uh, as a homeless shelter because nobody shows up to work anyway. So that's one thing he said. So that made the employees mad. He's free speech. The, you know, doesn't want all the censorship that makes the employees there mad. Um, and, and, you know, he just continues. Oh, and then he said that uh, if he does take the company private, his board of directors aren't going to get any money right now. I think each uh, member on the board at Twitter gets like a hundred grand or more uh, per year just for sitting on the board. So he was saying how he's going to save um, the uh, shareholders, um, you know, $3 million alone if he does that. So um, these, the, the, I think they needed a day off these employees. Cause like they were so shaken that Elon Musk might own the company they work for. Uh, it just, you know, brings back those memories of all the sissies and the snowflakes and people needing safe space. And, and, you know, that you heard a lot about that we haven't heard much about lately, but obviously it's out there. It still exists that they're just that week um, that, uh, you know, that they need the, a day off. I mean, that, that would be unheard of. You know, I mean, any good employer would say, yeah, you want a day off? Why don't you take the you know next year off because you're fired? Um, but that's not the uh, mentality that, uh, you know, that we have anymore uh, because uh, HR departments have uh, been overrun and, and allowed these uh, really foolish policies. Um, here's something none of us want to hear as far as a top story. Analysts at J.P. Morgan warned that a full and immediate ban on Russian, uh, Russian oil imports into the European Union could drive the price of crude up to, wait for it, $185 a barrel. So the head of global commodities strategy at J.P. Morgan said in a note to clients that if the European Union decides to expand its limited embargo on Russian oil under a new round of sanctions against Moscow, the price of Brent crude could soar by around 65 percent. So uh, just uh, think what that would translate into. Uh, for your gasoline and other energy needs. It wouldn't be good. So the European Union has so far spared Russia's largest uh, bank from previous sanction rounds because it, along with Gazprom Bank, is one of the main channels for payment for Russian oil and gas. You know, this is really frustrating. Um, And uh, Germany and other European Union countries have become dependent on Russia for energy, knowing what a monster Vladimir Putin is. This isn't a guessing game where they just found out, oh, he is actually going to kill innocent civilians, women and children, and the lady that was actually delivering a new baby into this world. This guy is a monster. He's a killer. He's a murderer. He has people assassinated that don't agree with him or jailed or whatever it might be. And they're making energy deals with him. I mean, again, you know, obviously the level of corruption and payoffs involved in that and getting in bed. I mean, Germany, you're talking about the biggest economy in the European Union. 
just how poor is their leadership over, you know, now, but also over, you know, the last 10, 15 years as they trended in this direction. You know, it's just, it's so ridiculous. But I'm sure that that green slash climate change slash weather alternatives, whatever they want to call it, that's all going to work out now that you're under the thumb of a monster. Really, really crazy. Um, Also, I'll tell you something that I don't like seeing. And again, it's not being talked about enough, I don't think. Uh, This week, the investment firm Blackstone, which is a fine investment firm. I'm talking about Blackstone, not BlackRock, headed by Larry Fink, who is uh, he's a character with himself. But anyway, uh, Blackstone secured a deal to buy the largest student housing operator in the United States for twelve point eight billion dollars. So. This is a company's latest and most expensive of many acquisitions in residential-type properties. So you're not talking about the office buildings. You're talking about now student housing. Uh, They've been buying up all kinds of single-family homes. And the reason I say that it's concerning is because that makes it harder, especially for first-time home buyers, to get into the market to remain as a renter because there's less inventory. There's already low inventory, but then when you have these big firms that come in and they're buying up residential properties to rent, um, you got a serious problem. So there's nothing that can be done about it, uh, but it's sad because, again, it's keeping people in a rent situation as opposed to one of the cornerstones of the American dream is buying and owning your own property, having your own castle, basically. And they take that away and force people to live in a rent situation whether they want to or not. So that's something that we're going to keep a close eye on because I want to say that that these different firms have been – they're at the point of maybe 20% ownership now of when these new properties are available. That's not good. So um, I'm personally watching that just because I think it's very disturbing and um, it it just puts people in a position to uh, have to rent. And then, of course, you're at the mercy of the landlord and what they're going to do with your rent. And we've heard those horror stories, um, uh, you know, and how tough it is for some people. Also, we heard from Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen this week a couple of times. She's blaming the Russian war in Ukraine on anything and everything that she can, uh, dating back to, I think, her first bad haircut. Um, she just, you know, is one of these people who, you know, she's at the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, and the World Bank, and International uh, Fund for Agricultural Development, Ministers representing the G7 and the G20 nations were there. And, of course, they had a panel and um, they're saying, hey, we're going to have problems with uh, 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 food. And also some other price and supply shocks, obviously, with energy and everything else. So now they're talking about, uh, oh, you you know what they're going to do? The G7 is going to convene a task force and they're going to focus on freezing and seizing Assets of key Russian elites. Yep. So thousands of people work at these institutions, 
you would think they would have already created a model and response, more than one, by the way, for Russia-Ukraine effect on food and energy. I mean, they've only been fighting since 2014. And what do they do? Hey, let's convene a task force. Or even maybe we can form a committee also because that's all they're good for. And uh, we never really get answers to most of the things that uh, they convene over or form a committee for. So really, really a shame. Gut punch for Disney this week. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis a few days ago formally asked state lawmakers to take up eliminating Walt, Walt Disney's uh, their self-governing status during a special session that starts, I think, uh, in mo- on Monday, a couple days from now. So DeSantis, uh, he announced the move in a proclamation telling members of the Florida House of Representatives and Senate that uh, it's necessary to review all special districts, i.e. Walt Disney World, to ensure that they are appropriately serving the public interest. So um, and then, of course, you had the Florida House of Representatives pass a bill on Thursday that would dissolve Walt Disney World's special governing power in the state of Florida. So this move could have huge tax implications for Disney. And um, again, all the stupid policies, you know, the potential danger that, that would be done to children, and this is coming from Walt Disney, that you get back to the board of directors here and leadership, or stupid leadership in this case. So um, hopefully Walt Disney is going to get punished severely in the financial markets. Uh, we've seen some of that already. And then, of course, there's people that aren't going to go to Walt Disney, even though they really want to. And I know it's hard. I remember I, – I've. I remember following this years and years and years ago, Walt Disney, as they were becoming more and more progressive and just ridiculous with their policies. And it was hard when I had to make that decision, uh, my wife and I, to take our three children there. I mean, you definitely wanted to take them because, uh, you know, it's a phenomenal experience. But the whole time, you, I felt kind of bad because I knew we were giving them money and they really don't deserve it. Um, so this really could have a profound change on the direction that Walt Disney uh, has been going. And hopefully other companies will figure that out and, um, and, and make some changes as well. Also, just wanted to, um, you know, say that, uh, Walt, again, Walt Disney's not alone. We see so many. I mean, Netflix got crushed this week because they lost um, – a lot of subscribers. No big surprise. The virus is over. It's been over. Um, people are back to work. They're outside. They're doing things. They're not locked in their house where they really felt like, you know, they had to pay for some of these things to try to stay entertained and have something to do. But also when you look at Netflix content and the other streaming services, um, you know, whether it's Hulu or Disney Plus or whoever it might be, it's crud. I mean, if you really sit and watch a series, I haven't really been able to find one on Netflix, for example, where my wife and I don't look at each other and go, why did they put that cuss word in there? I mean, they forced it in there. Or 
why do they have to show these non-traditional family situations like they're normal and typical? Or why every time is there something about a minister or a priest or a church negative? Anything to do with religion is negative or made fun of. I just, they're forcing that. And, of course, we see it on um, uh, commercials as well. So Madison Avenue, where all of the advertise, big advertising firms are, uh, they're just the Hollywood of the East. That, that's all they are. So we're bombarded, really, with uh, ridiculous commercials also. But hopefully um, you know, somebody will see the light because, obviously, you've got tens of millions of Americans who have said, I'm sick of this, and uh, I don't want any part of it. So, um, yeah. So we'll keep an eye on that. When we come back, quick break here, uh, we'll be talking about some uh, economic data and also uh, what the Federal Reserve has going on. By now I'd have it figured out How not to make the easy things so hard to do I bet that I'd be further down this road If I could read the signs that point me to the truth separated Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And, of course, as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts and you can get it there. I forgot uh, to tell you right before uh, we took that quick break, uh, you can get our latest white paper. It's complimentary. Will the Biden presidency influence stock markets? A look at parties, politics and potential returns. Uh, go to murrayfinancialgroup.com, and you can – it's right on the homepage. Just click the button, and it goes right to your uh, email. And then you can just read it uh, on screen, or you can print it off and make notes and, and questions and write all that stuff right on it if you want to know. A lot of people are doing that. So, again, you can go to murrayfinancialgroup.com and uh, get the latest complimentary white paper, Will the Biden Presidency Influence stock markets. Uh, that's right there for you. Um, so economic data, you know, mixed as is normally the case. Sales of previously owned homes uh, fell in March. Uh, a lot of that, again, uh, you see interest rates climb to 12-year high. Uh, we started the year, um, you know, with much lower interest rates, and they've been creeping up ever since. And, um, you know, just higher inflation. Also, people uh, are worried about their purchasing power. Are they going to have enough to make those payments? Because other things are very expensive. Um, We did see, though, that new home construction housing starts were uh, uh, up in uh, March. So that was good to see. They were up three-tenths of one percent. Also, you saw that uh, the number of total homes that were authorized for construction, building permits, Um, That was up 2.9% in March as well. And then we heard from, you know, uh, Chairman Powell, the Federal Reserve. Um, He was at that same uh, big powwow that um, 
Janet Yellen was at the IMF, World Bank, blah, blah, blah. And um, he said that basically confirmed that uh, half a point increases as far as interest rates were on the table at the next meeting in May and really going forward, which we knew that. He kind of confirmed it with his comments. You know, he said it's appropriate to be moving a little more quickly. Um, this guy, a little more quickly, interest rates are at 0.25%, and you've got the CPI at 9 or just shy of 9%. I mean, this is crazy. You're so far behind the curve that, you know, I don't know how you catch it without really doing serious damage. But um, Powell said <coughs> that the U.S. Central Bank is now focused on actual reductions in the inflation rate rather than mere forecast. Oh, my gosh. Is that embarrassing or what? I mean, you're already in the doghouse because you kept using the word transitory and you and all the PhDs and all the economists, everybody else, you know, at the Fed was wrong and didn't do anything. And now you're saying, um, yeah, we're not just going to talk about it. We're actually going to try to do something. That's that's terrible. Our uh, friend of the program, uh, your financial editor, um, was our keynote uh, speaker at uh, one of the symposiums that I had, uh, formal Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond president Jeffrey Lacker was talking about um, that, you know, we've really got to do something about inflation. Um, and he's just not coming to the table on it. He's been saying that, you know, saying, look, we've got 41 year high uh, inflation stuff we haven't seen for, you know, decades and decades. The main driver of the surge, surge in inflation was the stimulus programs enacted by Congress and the administration, Lacker said, spot on. So, um, you know, it was good to hear from him. And uh, we need more people uh, like President Lacker, Jeffrey Lacker, uh, speaking out on that issue. Uh, he, I think he did a phenomenal job when he was at the um, the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond. Then, of course, when he came for our symposium, he did a great job then as well. Uh, go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. Uh, will the Biden presidency influence stock markets? A look at parties, politics, and potential returns. That's our latest white paper for you. It's complimentary. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com right there on the home page and click that. When we come back, we're talking about biblically responsible investing. You're going to love this. I think you're really going to find it interesting and enlightening. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD.
Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And, of course, as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts and you can get the program there, uh, whether it's uh, if you wanted to re-listen or share uh, with uh, uh, someone that you think would appreciate the, the subject matter that we go over. Um, it's great. You know, we started doing this in 1997 is when I founded the program. And as technology has, uh, you know, has become more and more advanced, uh, you know, you can listen to programs that are streaming or you can re-listen to them in the audio vault or you can listen to them as a podcast. So if you've been with us uh, from the very beginning, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're a new listener today, welcome. So glad to have you along. Uh, our subject matter is really interesting. I, I think you're going to find it enlightening, and uh, it's a feel-good story. Uh, my guest is uh, Mr. Robert Netsley. He's a best-selling author. You've probably seen him on TV on Fox Business or seen uh, he's been written about in the Wall Street Journal and uh, Bloomberg, the Financial Times, etc. He's also the founder and the CEO of the Inspire Impact Group. Um, and in particular, we're going to be talking about Inspire Investing, which he's the CEO there, and what bi- uh, biblically responsible investing is, B-R-I. So uh, that's what the acronym stands for, Biblically Responsible Investing. We hear a lot about ESG stuff, and there's a lot of uh, force feeding with that, but this is uh, quite different. Uh, so that's what we're going to jump into this morning. Good morning, Robert. Good morning, Chris. Yes, so thanks a lot for taking time uh, out of your schedule to join us. I appreciate it. I know you're a busy person. Um, so, again, first of all, just give our, our listeners kind of a, an overview of what BRI is. For sure. Biblically responsible investing. So uh, really just taking First Corinthians 10.31 uh, where it says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. You know, taking that verse at face value. And, you know, if I could have my oatmeal and eat it this morning for God's glory, certainly I can invest his money for God's glory. So, you know, we're looking at not just the financial returns of the portfolio, which, of course, are super important. And we do uh, do all the normal financial analysis that you expect of an investment firm, uh, a $2 billion investment firm. Uh, but also we're looking at the moral and ethical ramifications of what are these companies that we're investing in? What are they What are they selling? What are they promoting? Are they harming people with their products? They Are they promoting... You know, ungodly. You know, agendas. Uh, are they you know, selling abortion drugs? Are they selling pornography? They're violating human rights and their supply chains. There's lots of stuff going on under their under the surface when um, when you take a peek there. And we just believe it's really important uh, to put our money, uh, God's money, into companies that are uh, in line with His values, uh, that are a blessing to the people that uh, interact with the business, whether it's buying their their products or working at the company and uh, are not seeking to undermine, you know, the freedoms in this nation or around the world or, you know, what have you. So that's that's biblically responsible investing in a, um, in a nutshell. Okay. So uh, tell us about your calling, because um, obviously a lot of people haven't heard about uh, BRI. Um, they all, they, they're getting inundated on the other side with, um, you know, certain ESG funds and certain investments that have to have uh, that type of exposure, but they're not really familiar maybe about uh, the BRI. So how did, how did this all evolve for you? 
Yeah, uh, I was just happy to clam doing my job at Wells Fargo Private Client Service in their um, investment department down in Carmel, California. Uh, nice little drive down the coast uh, every day, second-story office, looking over the beach. Life was good, you know, million-dollar account minimums. I wasn't changing anything in that scenario. And then really stumbled across by accident uh, an article online one day about this whole bit of the responsible investing concept and was just curious. So I looked inside my portfolio, my client's portfolios, uh, and honestly, the Holy Spirit just gripped my heart on it because here I was president of our local pro-life pregnancy center at the time, and I own three stocks of companies manufacturing abortion drugs. You know, and God just hit, hits me upside the head with the realization that every time that young lady goes across the street to Planned Parenthood, has an abortion, I just made money on that transaction. I literally profited from that transaction, and I'm recommending all my clients to do the exact same thing, let alone all the other issues, uh, you know, pornography, LGBT activism, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, within about two weeks, I was dead in the water at Wells Fargo. I, I just couldn't do my job with a clean conscience. Um, and in fact, I didn't think I could stay in the business, uh, in the industry, because I'd never met anybody doing what we do now. So I went home, told my wife, hey, honey, I, here's what I found. I think the Lord's calling us somewhere else. And she's like, okay, we got two babies in the mortgage, so what's the plan? And, uh, you know, I had no plan. We just started praying and really seeking the Lord's leading um, for our you know, next season here. And uh, long story short, a couple months later, as we prayed, God made it abundantly clear um, that he's calling me to leave the bank um, and to start over from scratch with, you know, in doing some sort of biblical type investment firm, uh, and which was crazy because I didn't have any, you know, money or experience or network or contacts or any of the things you're supposed to have when you start a business <laughs> like that. Um, but two months later, made the incredibly frightening decision to uh, leave my job at the bank, left my clients there with the team I'd been with previously, started over from scratch, just uh, me and a laptop really not really an idea what I was doing other than I, I had to just follow uh, the Lord's lead and uh, less than two months of savings in the bank and uh, fully prepared never to pay my mortgage ever again in my life. <laughs> uh, and that was, that was how this started. And that was uh, about 11 years ago uh, now. And God's been incredibly gracious. Uh, I started sharing the story um, with people like, here's what I found, you know, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I found. And, uh, and God showed up. Their eyes got big. The jaw hit the floor. And like, wow, I've never thought about that before. How do I find out what's in my portfolio? How do you invest any other way? Is it even possible? And uh, the business started booming uh, to the point where I needed to bring another uh, advisor into the practice, which was never part of my plan. I, I had no grand vision to build any sort of enterprise. Um, I was just going to do my kind of local hometown advisor gig. And uh, God had other plans. So one advisor led to two to five to 20 to within a year or two, mentoring hundreds of Christian financial advisors around the country, um, how to implement biblically responsible investing with excellence in their practice. And, uh, you know, we just what we saw was God was at work. And it truly is a movement of God in the financial industry. It's, he's opening the eyes of his people to this real problem in their portfolios. Um, and yet this huge opportunity to uh, do what we call inspiring, inspire transformation uh, through just aligning those dollars to support you know biblical values, and we're seeing amazing things happen. So that was that was 10, 11 years ago. You know, fast forward, we are um, the third fastest growing uh, investment firm in the nation. A couple of years running, we're top quartile uh, in the Inc. 5000. A couple of years running, um, you know, against all uh, odds, uh, God has been. Amazingly uh, gracious to us, uh, we manage about two billion dollars 
uh, under management, and we've been you know nearly doubling every year. It's it's amazing to see what God's doing, and, and we're here just really trying to keep up with uh, with His work and uh, with the demand that's out there um, in the space. Yeah, fantastic. What a wonderful, uh, wonderful story. I want to let everybody know, if you're interested as far as um, resources, you can go to inspireinvesting.com. Uh, and um, also, uh, if you want to look up uh, and get a copy of Robert Netsley's uh, number one bestseller at Amazon, uh, it's called Biblically Responsible Investing for God's Glory and Your Joy. The last name is N-E-T-Z-L-E-Y. And uh, we're going to talk more about this on the other side of the break uh, about some of these companies, again, that, you know, might sound wholesome and are household names, but yet might have uh, some other things tied to them. So stay tuned. Shake a man's hand and look. Griffith Park. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. Uh, Wrapping up our conversation on this side uh, with my guest, Mr. Robert Netsley. He's a best-selling author and uh, also the CEO of um, Inspire Investing, uh, Biblically Responsible Investing, or BRI. Uh, if you've uh, heard that acronym, that's what it stands uh, stands for: biblically responsible investing. And um, Robert, so so give us a, a little insight as to how you do um, look at these portfolios, and then help people understand um, what they're exposed to and how they feel about it. Sure. So. You know, again, there's two aspects to actual portfolio construction. One, we're looking at the typical financial metrics that any responsible, you know, high-quality portfolio management uh, team would look at. So there, and in our experience and in empirical research over the past 10, 20 years, um, first and foremost, we're finding that there is there is no requirement to trade off uh, returns to invest in biblically aligned companies. Uh Really, there there is no trade-off. In fact, uh, oftentimes we find biblically aligned companies performing uh, better than those uh, you know problematic businesses. It's not not a guarantee, not 100 percent, but oftentimes. And uh, we have a lot of research actually on our website, inspireinvesting.com. You can look up um, some research papers by Biola University and some others. So uh, so that's the that's the starting point. But we also look at um, a number of. Um, positive and negative categories we call uh, our process the Inspire Impact Score. Um, we have a website that you can type a ticker in, a ticker symbol of a stock mutual fund or ETF for free, um, inspireinvesting.com. You can, you can find our screening tool there, uh, and it'll tell you all the good, bad, and the ugly, uh, what's going on, down to the granular details of, on this date, this company gave this much money to Planned Parenthood. And uh, so that's, that's open sourced, uh, available to anybody listening who wants to find out what they're actually invested in. So with our impact score, uh, there's several uh, exclusionary categories, things like uh, exposure to the abortion industry, embryonic stem cells, um, 
such as uh, human trafficking, pornography sales, uh, etc. Uh, so we have all of these, um, you know, problematic areas. If a company has any exposure to any of those negative criterion, uh, they will always have a negative score. And the more categories they're exposed to, uh, involved with, the deeper their negative score down to negative 100 uh, is the lowest possible score. We never invest in any of those companies that have a negative score uh, here at Inspire. So all of our ETFs, uh, our exchange-traded funds, any of our investment portfolios that are used uh, by firms across the nation, um, none of those have exposure to these issues. Uh, second step, so any company, uh, which is the majority, so 85%-ish of publicly traded companies in America uh, pass those uh, those screens uh, that have, have no exposure to those issues. Most companies are just doing doing their job and not getting involved in you know, progressive left, uh, you know, activism or, or what have you, or donating money to Planned Parenthood. So uh, those other companies, we look at um, how aligned they are with biblical values. We look, we actually, um, we do look at the traditional ESG, environmental social governance categories. Typically, people are, are thinking ESG means, you know, progressive woke uh, idealism, and they would be right, <laughs> because that is, it is dominated. But we are invading the world of ESG with biblical values. Because uh, guess what? The Bible has something to say about the environment, social issues, and corporate governance. It may be quite different than what the world would say about those things, um, but we're not going to surrender that ground. So we're invading uh, the ESG world with biblical values. And we look at uh, these uh, multiple categories uh, called the um, – they call them materiality categories um, across these ESG components. And when a company has above-average score – uh, relative to their industry peer group. So, for instance, we do invest in um, oil companies, right? We don't believe oil is uh, evil, uh, but we do believe that oil companies should act responsibly and not just, like, you know, dump barrels of oil in the river on Friday night before they go home. So we look for those best-in-class uh, uh, companies across those uh, categories in their industry peer groups. Uh, when they are best-in-class, you know, above average, they get certain number of points. The more categories they score above average in, the more points they get, up to positive 100. And uh, so that is, we're looking for these businesses of blessing, basically inspiring companies that are blessing the people that interact with them. And uh, we build our, our portfolios out of those highest scoring, most uh, God-honoring, most biblically uh, responsible companies. And uh, again, the results have been phenomenal over the past, uh, again, 10, 11 years. We've experienced uh, again no no performance trade-off, um, and in fact, you know we uh, have decent outperformance. Um, you know uh, more often than not, it seems, in many of our portfolios, uh, investing this way. So uh, that's uh, that's how we approach uh, the investment world. Well, congratulations on that as well, and amen uh, for sure. And, um, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> when you go to inspireinvesting.com, folks, you can, if you want to uh, type in your own, uh, say you own a stock, uh, you can type in the ticker symbol, as Robert said, and, and get a, a look at uh, what the score is. For example, earlier in the show, I was talking about the uh, the really poor week that uh, Disney has had, and uh, they deserve it because um, this has been brewing at Disney for years, as I talked about, and it's really boiling over right now. But um, I typed in the score, uh, at, or excuse me, the ticker, uh, just like you can to see the score, 
And out of a potential minus uh, 100, they're minus 65. And you can see what part of that uh, is negative and why. Um, so it's very, very educational. Um, and often when you have this conversation with people, I mean, I've been doing this for over 30 years. Um, and, you know, as far as helping people with investments and you know, you start talking about this and everybody feels dirty. It's almost like when you realize what you're invested in, uh, you feel like you need to go take a shower because uh, it was just uh, never, ever talked about. Definitely not at the forefront of your mind. So this is something, again, where you can not only do well for yourself, but you can do well uh, for, uh, you know, the country, the world and for God's kingdom. So, um What's a good way, I I guess this is, um, I already know the answer to this question, Robert, but what's a good way for people to get their their toe in the water on this subject and really learn about it Mm -hmm. and and be educated? Yeah, Yeah. Um, well, certainly you could read my book. (laughs) It is a short read. It's not very academic. It's really about the movement. Uh, more than anything else, and so if you're if this is new, that's been that's a great way to sort of get the landscape. Because here's the thing: billions of dollars, God's people are moving billions of dollars uh, out of secular investments from you know woke companies like BlackRock and you know Vanguard and whoever else into uh, biblically responsible investments at our company and others that uh, you know our colleagues in the industry. Billions of dollars. Uh, the media doesn't really want to. You know, talk about that too much. Uh, they try to dissuade people um, from making those decisions, but um, it's a yeah, huge. I'll go a one step huge. further and say that they don't want to talk about it at all. Not that much, but yeah. they don't want to talk about it at all. <laughs> well, yeah, they don't want to. When they do talk about it, it's usually trying to mock us and call us, you know, call us names. Um, but whatever, right? Uh, it's easy to read through their their uh, their spin. So, you know, there's there's a movement going on. Get involved. Read the book. But uh, just go to inspireinvesting.com, right? The first step is to, to learn what you own. Um, find our screening tool there. It's called Inspire Insight. You just click on that link, and you can type in your ticker symbol. So pull up your statement from wherever you're at. Type in a ticker symbol uh, from your mutual fund or your 401K or uh, stock. And, you know, again, your jaw's going to hit the floor. Um, there's It shouldn't be a surprise to us, but when you actually see the data, it's, uh, you know, I dare say life-changing, you know, for, for those with investment dollars. And... Um, and then there's tools on there that you can use to find clean investments. Like, well, you know, what are the alternatives? Um, or you work with financial advisors who've been specially trained, you know, to, to do this and do this well. Um, uh, I'm sure, Chris, you wouldn't mind getting a phone call or two from people who have questions. Sure. And that'd be a, another good place to start. So learn what you own, figure it out. And, you know, and then if, if you're a do-it-yourself investor or if you, or if you uh, prefer having financial advice, have more sophisticated situations, you know, there's a lot of options, and just don't do nothing. That's the thing. Don't do nothing. Uh, go find out what you own. That's the first thing. Absolutely. Okay. The uh, name of the book is Biblically Responsible Investing for God's Glory and Your Joy. Just go to Amazon and uh, type that in or type in Robert's name. It's Robert Netsley, N E T Z. L-Y, if you're driving, don't try to write that down. Just drop me an email or whatever, and I can get that information. As Robert said, his book is only 116 pages. It's a quick read, but very educational and uh, a great starting block for you uh, to get moving on this or 
go to inspireinvesting.com and learn about uh, their firm and the movement and just the, uh, the wonderful change that they're affecting with what they're doing. Robert, thanks a lot for taking time out of your schedule. Really enjoyed talking to you, and I know our listeners uh, benefited greatly from all the information. Hey, the pleasure's all mine. Thank you, Chris. Okay, great. We'll have a, a good rest of the weekend. And um, this is powerful, folks. I mean, this is something you want to grab a hold of. Uh, go to inspireinvesting.com, uh, pick up the book. Um, you know, like Robert said, don't do nothing. Um, you yourself can do well um, by doing good. And uh, he didn't even get into the money that they use part of their profits for helping people around the world and, uh, uh, you know, again, affecting change that way. So um, I would encourage you to uh, learn more about this very, very important and beneficial uh, opportunity that you have. Um, That does it for us. We're um, out of uh, time, unfortunately. And um, I will talk with you on the Morning News Express weekday mornings, 550, 650, 750, uh, when I speak with uh, Bob and Ryan live for those business updates. And then we'll be back here uh, next Saturday for another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com, our latest white paper, uh, Will the Biden Presidency Influence Stock Markets? A look at parties, politics, and potential returns. Um, And I'm not sure how much longer that's going to be up there. So you'll want to grab that complimentary white paper at murrayfinancialgroup.com right on the uh, homepage there. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. editions of this program are available in the audio vault at wfmd.com news radio 930 wfmd frederick a connoisseur media radio station seven o'clock